Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Tonight we begin what I think will be an important series of conversations with our human condition guru, clinical psychologist Lynn Worsley, on conflict. It's just a given, I think, of our human condition and how we handle it, if we handle it, uh, can have a dramatic impact on lots of life for good or ill. This is a bit, I think there's a bit in this, Lynn, for all of us tonight. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great to see you. It is such a significant thing. Tell us where we'll be heading over the next few weeks in this series of conversations. Lynn. Okay. Now, conflict is about the perception of threat. And I'm going to show how conflict is a necessary thing for survival, for growth and for change. If we have no conflict, we have no growth. And if we have no conflict, we don't change. And if we don't have conflict, we actually don't survive. That's interesting. This is a very consistent Lynn Worsley theme. So to all those old couples I see on the television and read in the newspaper who say, we've never had a fight in Ooh, all our married life. Bit of a worry. Yes. <laughs> so you're going to be saying that we need this conflict and conflict is a good thing to survive. Yep. Now, if we don't have conflict, we don't develop protective mechanisms for our survival. We need to have mechanisms that determine the need to have... We need to be able to sniff out danger, basically. Um, And this is what happens when there is conflict. Now, conflict is a reaction to threat and either a threat to ourselves or a threat to us reaching our goals. Now, there's bigger conflict when we actually trust somebody and they let us down. Um, And this causes what we would call an inner turmoil, which gives us a natural reaction of either withdrawing or lashing out or hurting back. Um, However, the process of conflict causes something to shift in our brains. And that's why we have the potential to change something when there's conflict. If we feel some sort of a threat, we actually make a decision to fight, flight or to be frozen by the threat. Actually, sometimes that's not necessarily a conscious decision to be frozen. But it all means that there are changes in the brain and that leads us to helping us to survive. Um, We gather information from our experiences that tell us when there is a threat and then we react in in a way that helps us to survive. Yeah, we've spoken before about how our brains physically change. We spoke uh, about uh, this with Professor Baroness Susan Greenfield a couple of weeks ago. We're shaped by our experiences. They are physically shaped by their environment. So how does the brain react to conflict then? Well, conflict changes the brain waves and determines our behaviour. And that's why early conflict and early attachment processes with the mother and child is really important. Um, And since there's there's a natural expectation of the infant to gather their primary carer's protection, um, and the carers both prepare and protect the baby from threats. Um, These early experiences determine how we respond to threats and it sets us up to a particular style of reaction to threats which come from conflicts. So now no mother or father or carer is perfect and they can never make an environment that is conflict free. So often the child's exposed to not getting what they want or being disappointed so therefore it's conflict or they have to learn how to fit in with other people. Um, Now, these experiences of disappointment are necessary for them to develop a style of survival. Therapists call this an attachment style or patterns of attachment, which determine how a person is likely to react to conflict or disappointment and hurt. Now, other early experiences also set us up for a style of survival, such as 
early friendships, um, friendships that involve lots of conflict. And if you consider young kids and their fights with friends, the whole three stages of moral development, which we talked about in the last few weeks, can be progressed through. So you basically need to have the conflict, which raise dilemmas um, that make us think differently. Oh, it also means that our reactions to conflicts from, in, from interacting within the context of friendships can help us to survive in the playground. That helps us to survive in the park, in the neighbourhood, prepares us for work. Um, it helps wow. us to survive when there's a social interaction. So co- this exposure to the types of conflicts also contribute to our style of attachment, which then will then establish how we cope with conflict in the future. Yes, I suppose. But here's the question then. So often we're inclined to flee the conflict mm-hmm. and turn our back on it. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that that's not actually a solution. Well, it's actually a choice. Um, it's, it may be a solution and it may actually be a functional solution to flee and turn your back on it. So yes. we can't actually say one's dysfunctional or whatever. All it is is that it moves in a direction. Okay, yeah. So how can conflict help us grow then? Well, when I'm working with couples or families or organisations, I'm in the position to help them to see or take advantage of the potential for growth when there's conflict. Um, conflict in personal relationships causes a shift. We either get closer as a result and hold the other person dearer after the conflict or we hold them further away. And the level of trust has been changed and it affects how that relationship continues. We may perhaps even distrust further and begin to find evidence of mistrusting situations for that relationship and for further relationships. Either way, either way, we grow in the direction of our reaction. So is growth... It might be a growth towards pulling back and just growing away from each other, or we can grow together. So while the conflict might happen to us, we actually determine the reaction or the direction of growth by our style of survival Hmm. So or our pattern of attachment. You can grow more distrustful and pull away in one direction, or you can grow more trust and grow in the direction of closeness. Which, again, feeds the whole process either way. That's right. We can also grow in our own self-awareness. And we can have opportunities to consider our own place in causing the conflict. Um, what we know in, is that internal conflict can cause emotional pain. And that can lead us to self-doubt. A response to finding out how we might be able to be or why we got that way is actually a really good understanding of ourselves. And that helps us to prepare for the next lot of relationships yes. that we have. So conflict can stimulate growth in a direction. We see this in families. And one of the characteristics of strong families is that they've gone through conflict together and they have resolved the conflict in a way that's increased their bond. They can reflect on the experiences of time of being vulnerable together. However, some families can reflect on the times of conflict as being in so unpleasant and they can invoke feelings of wanting to pull away and withdraw. Of course. So like running away from each other, and that's quite a common thing. But the experience itself is itself of conflict, whatever the reaction, is a shared experience. And that can evoke some strong emotions between different people in the family. So sometimes you can see the family fragmenting, but it can strengthen the bonds between particular people in the family because of the conflict. It would take a lot of character on behalf of all people in the family, and especially whoever's going to lead this process. They're big asks, really, isn't it? It does. It is, and it also um, 
it means too that you can have rifts that you have have difficulty trying to manage, but at the same time, the bonds that happen become so much stronger. They get sorted out. They get sorted out. Um, Look, that happens also in organisations when conflict inevitably exists in organisations. The conflicts as a whole might disconnect various bonds in the organisation, but it might strengthen other bonds between various members of the organisation. So inevitably it results in fractions and can cause rifts, but we can see that many organisations it's also a a result in igniting a passion and emotion um, with more determined motivation to do something. Yes, yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the growth of big companies, like for Apple, for for instance, there are many fractions and divisions which resulted in more creativity and competitive um, performance. They also had an enormous amount of growth, maybe not together, but the product itself grew. But to recognise there probably will be grief along the way. This is That's right. hardly ever an easy process. Yeah. So if you want to transfer, transfer some of that idea along to the conflicts that occur in the Christian church... Don't even talk about it. <laughs> the history of the Christian church is that there have been many fractions and divisions yes. as a result of conflict. Yeah. And the result is an increase in passion and an increase in motivation as well as in a continued growth in the product. The product being the spread of the word of God. Mm. Um, and it's worked. Whether it's going to continue from this day on, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. But that does, when there's conflict, it actually separates us to go and be more passionate passionate about various things. Yeah. So you say change and conflict helps us to grow. It helps us to change as well. Yes. Okay. So the brain likes to compartmentalize information. So we like to put things into categories so that we can understand the world in a bit more lo- with more logic. A bit like a computer. If we keep opening files and not saving them properly, we'll end up with a whole desktop full of files with no names and we wouldn't find them when we wanted them. Yes. And the energy to look for the files is huge because they're not categorized or filed well. You would have to open every single one and check what it was. And that's what we do with the brain. We usually... Uh, if we don't file it properly, it'll just muddle us. So what we tend to do is that we take information and we put it in in existing files in our brain and we categorize it with what's already there. Um, It's easy and it fits and we don't feel challenged to have to change anything and so we just get on with it. You know, that fits into that idea and so I'll put it into that idea box. That's what we call assimilation. So we're not changing there. We're not changing okay. there. You just yep. take information, pop it into what you already know, and it fits, and you're not uncomfortable at all. Right. However, change occurs when the information we get doesn't fit into the files that we have there already in our computers, in our brains. And it means we have to make a new file or begin a whole new way of thinking. And that's what we call accommodation. It might mean we actually have to take some things out of existing files and refile them because they don't fit there anymore. And this is the creating of a new physical pathway in the brain. That that's right. Yeah. So that's what we have. That's what we call accommodation. Okay. So we accommodate the conflicting information in our brains by changing our filing system in our brains. That's how conflict actually helps us to change. Um, that's why I say you can't change without conflict. Yeah. You can't change without conflict, without pain, though. 
Really? Is no, that possible? That's yeah, right. Yeah. It's it, you need to be uncomfortable. You need to be confused. Now, <laughs> what an easy life. <laughs> yes. Now, when you work with children, it's often the case that a child might exhibit some really bad behaviour, which means that the parents and the siblings have to change how they do things. Now, often that causes enough conflict that the child is sent for therapy. Or they, because they're regarded as the problem. Yes. However, when, oftentimes when we look closer, there's an indication that there are problems with the parent's relationship and not the child itself. And that, that means that the child has actually caused some problems in the family to actually highlight or cause conflict to highlight that there's another area that needs to be changed. Yes, which has got nothing necessarily to do with that child. That's right. Yes. So the child misbehaves and the parents have to find a way to accommodate the child's behaviour. Yes. So they need to make a new file which says the child has a problem. Then they realise that that file doesn't work. They have to go through therapy themselves and start changing things. So this is when you actually see that the child's behaviour is quite functional and the conflict itself is a good thing because it highlights where you need to change things. Yeah. So change occurs as a result or as a response of conflict. Yep. And there's a saying, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We should all know that because we all learnt it in school, yes. in science. But conflict is often a result of an action or an inaction. Either way, yes. Yes. Yeah. And also conflict as a reaction causes a further reaction to the situation. It can amplify the problem or it can simply amplify the possible growth, survival or the change that can occur. Okay, here's a question though. Is there a time when conflict actually doesn't or can't change something? No, there isn't. That's interesting. So change is inevitable. The most important thing is that we need to learn how to make the change in the right direction. So withdrawing is change. Pulling back and shutting down is change. Yep. Because it's a reaction. So we need to use the conflict as an opportunity for survival, for growth and for change. And we need part of the key of that is to work out what the goals and the key values of each person in the organisation is. Um, When we have those goals and we can see the direction that we'd like to go, we have more opportunities to consider each reaction to the conflict and assess how it might help each person within it. Does it also help to acknowledge that this probably will never be easy? It's never easy. No. Coping with conflict is never easy. No. But it all sounds quite simple and logical and Mm. scientific, but I think, yeah, at the same time, this is going to be tough and probably time-consuming. And I I think, too, when when we look at the Christian life, it is a life full of conflict. Yep. Uh, (laughs) And we're not promised an easy life. We're actually promised the opposite. Yes. We're told that it's, it's important to go outside of our comfort zone we're, we're told that we're to, to experience um, conflicting situations in many areas of our lives. And I think that that itself actually helps us to realize that when we face conflict, we need to have the direction of where we're going. Yeah. So really, when you start thinking about it in terms of where God wants us to be, and that beautiful saying, what would Jesus do? Um, oftentimes it, it does mean that we have to respond in a way that is really uncomfortable for us. Yeah. And, uh, and make friends with uncomfortable people and be seen in uncomfortable places and to do uncomfortable things that, that mean that we have to take ourselves into situations that cause conflict both in our brains and perhaps with people around us. Yes. But if we 
do it in a way that says what would Jesus do and where would Jesus be and how would Jesus respond to this, then we, we have a goal in mind. Great wisdom, not only from you, but especially from Jesus. Yes. Um, so that's conflict part one, conflict in relationships and skills in resolving conflict next week. Tell us where you'll be taking us. Yes, I'm going to have a little look at some healthy and unhealthy ways of managing and resolving conflict. And I'm going to look at what, what that looks like in relationships. And um, perhaps we'll touch on some skills and, uh, and some ways that we can manage to do that perhaps in just ordinary relationships, not just our closest relationships. I love being practical. Lynn Worsley, as always, thank you so much for your great Thanks wisdom. See you next week. Me. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.